this is Sensi Brewcast. You know that thing you just clicked on that says it was Sensi Brewcast. But just in case you forgot, in the meantime, that's what this is, and that's what we talk about beer. <laughs> it's 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 a beer podcast. If you just stumbled upon it, it's a Cincinnati beer podcast. Um, we're at Paradise now. I I looked before we started, and the last time we were here to do a show was March of 2019. Oh wow! So there's a whole hell of a lot that's changed in that time. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the world yeah. around um, the world around everybody has burst into flames and is burning itself to the ground in every way possible. Um, you guys are still providing this nice little oasis in the middle of the craziness outside <laughs> for people to come and sit and uh, have a beer and breathe a little bit, hopefully. Um, how are you guys? Let's start it off with that. How are you guys doing? How have you guys been managing a uh, a pandemic as a brewery? <clears throat> Pretty much the same way everybody else has. I mean, it's almost a day at a time. Uh. Yeah, we were totally closed down for about six weeks starting, what, the middle of March? Mm-hmm. Didn't get back till May the 1st. Uh, at, but there, there is something to be said about being a small, smaller place, being only five-barrel brew house and having limited only four, four um, days a week that we're open. Um, it, it, it allows people... Like you said, a, a place to come in where it's not so crowded. It's not it. The actual people haven't all came back yet, right? But we're doing better as time goes on. People get less afraid of it, and they mitigate their chances of of catching anything, and and they end up coming out and and having a good time again, just like we used to. So, <laughs> like we used to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, by the way. I, I, should have introduced everybody before we started. Jeff Graff and then Andy Clausen is the um, the silent one so far. But yes, <laughs> I'm sure when we start talking about what, what do you say, machine guns and bikinis or uh, something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, um, <laughs> I guess it's an inside joke because you weren't sitting here before we That's started the show. <laughs> um, I think there are some breweries that have struggled more through all of this than other ones. I don't know which ones those are because i don't know who to believe when you talk to people and say oh no we're fine we're fine and then right two weeks later you find out they weren't weren't really as fine as you as they wanted right. you to think they were do you think you guys have and this is probably even hard for you to answer but have you guys had a harder time kind of navigating this because of your size or do you think in some kind of way that also kind of is a little bit of an advantage through this that you've got this this really kind of loyal customer base that still um, knows you guys from directly over the bar and maybe that helps get people back in here we've had our our troubles as everybody has Um, it's always about cash flow trying to keep things moving Uh, you just don't want to put people in harm's way right. too much, and then. But as far as that, kind of helps us out in a, in a because we're not that big. We don't have the clientele and the worries of uh, you know a hundred chairs or anything like that that we have to worry about separating people out of. So um, we're doing okay. We're not setting the world on fire. I will tell you, in March when they closed us down, we were coming out of some out of the cold spell we were in and we were starting to really see it pick up it's still not back to that level yet um as you see on the wall we have we have a mug club that's limited to to 144 people which to us is a lot but i would say over half of them still hasn't come back yet right so when i my biggest fear through all of this has just been that do people ever start getting back out the way they were before is it always is it always going to be different i mean i know it'll be better than what it was but will it always just be different from here on out people don't go out the way they used to and i it probably will i mean 9 11 in 2001 also uh changed our world forever i mean you never never are the same after something like that there was still especially here in ohio there was still some kind of a I don't want to call it a comfort, but you you still saw with when nine eleven happened, you still saw these attacks, and you were still separated from kind of 
that. Right. Whereas this is everywhere. Like well, nobody, nobody is really safe from this. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter right. where you live. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you do. Like right. You, you can't a hundred percent protect yourself. It's, it's, it's terrifying for everybody. I think. Whereas with nine eleven, there was still people that could take on like, oh, I'm still safe. You know? Yeah. The world around me is right. destroying itself, but um, here I live in the middle of, you know, Montana and I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like it's, I, this is just such a strange thing that. Uh, well, I, I think know. eventually we'll probably get there, but it, it might be a long time. Might be over a year. Might be, it, of course, into 2021. Uh, 2020 was a mess as soon as that happened. And uh, it's pretty much a wash for most people. I can't see that anybody setting the world on fire except maybe Kroger's. <laughs> right. Somebody that was essential. Grubhub. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, some of those guys are doing very well, and that's great. But a lot of us still aren't back to where we, we, we were before. And, right. and that's not to say it won't come back. We have a very loyal following here at Paradise, and most people do also that that have tap rooms. I mean, they they have people that 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 is their favorite place to go, no matter right. what. So uh, you always have those guys coming back, but you you want to see new people come in. You want to see people experimenting, get out, getting out from and trying new things. And I don't think we're seeing a whole lot of that right now. We see some, but not not like it used to. Not be. like it was. Right. Um, Let's rewind time. How did you get here? How did you get involved in this? How did Paradise come to be? Let's you know, kind of tell an abbreviated story of where this came from. As most people know, I worked in the electronics industry of for TV, VCR, everything repair. Um, I worked in that for 30 years before I ended up seeing the end of that particular business in 2006 or so. Uh, you could just see it was just going to a replacement society rather than anybody repairing anything or making enough money repairing it to make it worthwhile. So you end up looking around, trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Um, and I was in my 40s when I, 48 or so, when I changed over from electronics. And I... I ended up just saying, what could I get into with not a whole lot of money, not a whole lot of capital? How could I use this space that I have on the east side to uh, to a better use for money? And what I ended up doing in 2007 is I opened up a home brewing shop. And I'll, we'll try and keep this more abbreviated. Uh, then when Governor Kasich was first elected, I don't think it was him. I think it was somebody who worked for him, decided <laughs> that it would be a good idea to stop losing brewery uh, revenue. Pl- revenue in places uh, to other states like Indiana, which at the time Ohio had a uh, a, a licensing fee of yearly of, of about thirty nine hundred dollars, where in a, in Indiana it was six hundred. As a matter of fact, I think I talked to the people over there at Great Crescent, and that's the r- real reason that they just went across the border right. is to do it cheaper. Um, I mean, really good guys, but I, I wish they would have stayed in Ohio, but I, you, you just can't afford it. Right. You know? So then they, they changed it in 2013. As soon as they changed it in 13, I applied. Uh, it took us about nine months to get background check, fingerprinted, and all the stuff for a federal license. And, and uh, by November of 2013, we had our brewing license. And as soon as that we had that, then we, op- then we started work on the tap room that you see right now putting up paneling you know trying to make it and right behind you is our original bar with a copper top and it sat about five people maybe at the most (laughs) uh we would work uh we would only be open two days a week friday and saturday and then we would be closed for the rest of the time but the homebrewing shop stayed open and the homebrewing kind of started to as soon as more and more breweries came online the home brewing side of that has fallen off so much um i'm not as fortunate like with dan listerman who is right across from xavier who brings in a younger clientele but i I, i'm not across from a a college which helps move uh product i'm on the east side of town and uh i don't have that many that much of a draw anymore from what it was before so um, 
We opened up our tap room March 1st of 14, making 10-gallon batches at a time. Uh, we would brew four or five days a week just to fill up a keezer full of corny kegs, and we'd have probably three to four on tap at one time. But it was only for two days. Um, after that, uh, in 2016, no, I'm sorry. Let me get, yeah, 2016, 17. We took on investors, were able to upgrade our 10-gallon system into a five-barrel system. So now uh, that's what we're brewing on now. And later on, uh, about a year after that or so, as things happen, you know, uh, things happen to Blank Slate, uh, not well. And one of their brewers, who is Andy sitting next to me, he was, uh, I, I reached out to him to try and keep him sane and not go crazy while he was there. And I said, why don't you come over and, and brew with us for a little while? And uh, what that was three years <laughs> you ago, can't get right? him to or leave now. Three or four years <laughs> ago, that you no, no, three I don't years. want him to leave. Don't, no, no. It was three years ago. Three years ago, uh, officially that he signed on. He was he did a couple guest brewings, you might call them, with us uh, to see if he even liked us or liked what we were doing. And thank goodness he's uh, come along with us. Um, one of these days, I'll be able to uh, afford him more money, <laughs> which he deserves. But uh, we're we're all getting there. This year is kind of a little tight, but we'll get there. So the whole idea of what this is is not some brilliant, well-laid-out plan. Every It seems like every step along the way is yep. just, here's what's happening right now. How do we adjust what we're doing to, to match that? Or how do we change this to, to match what's going on? Which I th- think is different than a lot maybe not maybe that maybe there's a lot of fly by your pants kind of stuff happening that we don't see but it seems that this is still that kind of uh it's very natural and i think that that's probably what attracts people to a tap room like this is it's not it's not like a mcdonald's that springs up and you know here's we're gonna crank out this product and you guys are gonna enjoy it Mm -hmm. it's 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 the next evolution in every step as it has, it comes up or occurs. It's like we got the fifth fermenter. We got our crowler machine. You'd say, you know, steps that occur when you hit the point where you can do it. Right. And, uh, you know, as previously stated, our small but dedicated crowd, local crowds are what are keeping these places like, you know, us, Nine Giant. Everyone. High Grain. Yeah. That's what's keeping you going. Right. If you've got a mega tap room or you're a big social scene i think it's a lot harder because your overhead's more massive and you got a lot of people to pay do we worry about some of those big guys in town right now um you would hope not but i'm sure it's hitting everybody just as hard as it's hitting us if not more because like you said they're the overhead is so much more you know the one thing that you you talk about blank slate closing or eight ball or any place Mm -hmm. that 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 we've we've seen close around town is that you start to realize that no matter what is in your head about a place, nothing is necessarily safe. Like nothing is guaranteed. Like no, there's so no, much no. happening kind of behind the scenes and, and with the business side or personal side or whatever it is that at any minute, these places might not be around. We've, right. we've seen it. They have a lifespan. We've seen it, it a lot through history. Like we don't have old breweries in town i mean mount carmel's been around for for a long time but that's the exception to the rule most places have been around for you know five years or less like that's that that we don't know anything about i think two to five years is about the limit it's either until the money runs out or until if you can make it at that point if not they close well and, and the idea of what growing a brewery means has changed so much in the last 10 years that you, you know the model used to be very clear of what it meant to operate a, a brewery you you made beer you put it in bottles you get it into a store and then people drink it and and the world continues and you just keep cranking that out and that's not the case now that wasn't the case you know a couple of years ago and who knows what it's going to look like in in five years right it, it's it's really hard to kind of stay um stay nimble enough i guess to navigate as those changes happen and um it seems to me like you guys are poised to be able to kind of navigate those things um that is one hopefully well that's one thing about being smaller 
we're able to i always called it turning on a dime i mean we don't have that much it's it's five barrels is 155 gallons of right. beer at one time um we can brew double batches and so on take up more space more uh fermenter space but with that 155 gallons that basically well, isn't a whole lot to to be able to make a different brew the next time and then a different right. brew the next time and well plus once shane brammer comes in and sits at the bar that only <laughs> leaves 50 gallons for everybody else well, that's so true that narrows it down a lot you know we were just talking about him mm-hmm. because uh today and tomorrow tomorrow and saturday is our um oktoberfest celebration for us uh we have mama bear's food truck and the brew city sausage guys coming in and uh shane brammer keeps wanting to bring in his leader stein to have filled up <laughs> and i've ho- uh, and and unfor- well, it's not unfortunately but do we you have enough october well, to I fill a leader stein? I don't. <laughs> and if every, everybody does that we're in big trouble because uh i we actually put it out less than three weeks ago and we're already down to the last two half barrels <laughs> and i've held those back just so we could have one half barrel a day so we 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 staggered our release so on friday and saturday we're not releasing the beer until 4 p.m in the afternoon we're open till 10 right the tr- the food trucks will be here at noon but um yeah there's no filling growlers <laughs> crowlers leader signs any of that we can't just can't do it we want we we could, and the money's the same because you can vary the money as far as that goes. What you charge for it, if it's you know if it's more or less, you can vary that around. But the idea is to spread the love, right? Not give every one right. just one person all the love. <laughs> you want to spread it around a little bit. I know Shane will take exception to that I, because that's the way he is. But <laughs> uh, we we wanted we want a lot more people to try the beer, and, and I thought it was really good this year. I think we did I, a real good fantastic. job. I, yeah. I got a pint the last time I was here when yeah. uh, it was still on before you guys had pulled it off out of uh, yes. fear. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, I think in two two or three, two weeks from now, we'll have your favorite beer on, which is the Ooh, Night at the Night Opera. At the opera. Yeah. Um, if anybody has not <laughs> tried that yet, you need to get out here to try it. I think I, we have definitely drank it on this show at some point. Mm-hmm. So we'll do the shout out to the gentleman who came in and saw your podcast of you drinking one <laughs> in your basement or wherever that bar is at. But uh, uh, he was so excited to try it. And by the time he got in here, it was all gone. So we want to make sure that he comes back and tries it for sure. For future reference, anyone who is a fan of my Instagram show called Prost. <laughs> Um, make sure you check with the brewery before you go try to get the beer that I'm drinking because sometimes I do drink things that are not always available. That's, that's correct. <laughs> Especially if I'm drinking out of a crowler or something. Right. You never know. That might even be something that's never coming back. I just might have might been, have been really a one-time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's take a step back a little bit. Look at kind of the Cincinnati beer scene. You guys have have been around maybe not necessarily just with a brewery but you've been around in the middle of all of this watching how things have changed and evolved yep um it looks very different today than it did even when you guys did open your tap room but where where is this going like are we are we hitting a point where we're hitting i don't want to use the the bubble word but are we hitting something where um it, this growth that we've seen for the last few years is slowing or stopping. Well, with only making the small batches we do, I can't, I, I don't know what the, uh, mad trees and Ryan guys are thinking about out there. And I, I'm sure it's difficult for everybody trying to, trying to play the national game. But as far as I'm concerned, anybody starting up a brewery, your best option is local. You get local people involved. I didn't want to take over the Midwest. Right. All I wanted to do was be a place when you anybody came to Cincinnati for any particular reason, you ask somebody where are the breweries in town, they would say, you got to go to Paradise. That's the idea. Um, it was never to, you know, overtake Coors or <laughs> or any of those. You know, I never went into it with that mindset. The idea is we're going to make top quality craft beer and do it well and and not price ourselves out of the market too which i i understand people have to make a dollar but some of these the pricing <laughs> on some of this stuff 
Yeah. It's just gone crazy. And I understand that it takes more manpower, more effort and everything, but... But those you are know, fancy hops grown on the moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, $20 for a four-pack is just about reaching... You're, you're almost at bar prices right. at that point. Close to it. So, Andy, you've worked at several breweries around town mm-hmm. that are all very different from each other. Right. Um, you've kind of... You've gotten to see kind of these very different... Um, personalities within what makes Cincinnati beer what it is. Where do you see things now? Where do you see it then? Where do you see it in the future? Well, for some time, I've felt that there's we're hitting saturation here in this. We're a you know a big city, but a small big city. What does that mean, though? I there's probably getting close to being too many craft brew choices around for everybody to be well supported. I mean, I've felt this way for a while. Uh, some places, you know, have opened. Some places have closed. Uh, if you like, you know, we're small. We have our support. If you're not local and you don't have support, uh, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to make it. Um, you know, going with a distributor, not always a good move, as I have seen in other places <laughs> I've worked. Every place you've worked, I think, yeah. actually. Yes. <laughs> um, if a distributor, you know, you're not the newest shiny thing, they're not interested. They, you know, a lot of them are kind of like selling used cars. Well, and, and and we, you can see that when you walk down the the beer aisle at whatever your local spot is. Like this, this move now is just to you have to keep cranking out something new. You've got to yeah. be putting out a new four pack of something with some flashy, you know, artwork, artwork on it that's going to yeah. catch people's attention. Right. With some kind of weird hop that people haven't heard of splashed across. It's it's become a new formula, but there was a formula before too. And like, it's just, I feel like it's just keeps shifting back and forth between these different things that everybody's chasing. Well, yeah. Catchy artwork, marketing, uh, new takes on tr- classic beer styles or whatever. But in the end you have to make it good. You have to make people desire it and they want to come back for it. And, um, uh, you want to keep the customers happy, but you can't just give them the same thing all the time. You got to have variety. There's, uh, there's a part of me that wonders if this move into that constant changing of being this, this, the new release, new release, new release, you couple that with going through a year like 2020, where you're stuck in your house and you can't go out and have a beer the way you used to. You can't go to an Oktoberfest where you're outside sitting and mm-hmm. you know putting your arms around people, and, singing, and um, yeah. yeah. To go to go from what it was to this new world. I wonder if it's going to start kind of pushing people back into this thing that we used to have, where the I think the, they the, the go tap back. room is king, and you want a place that you 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 feel comfortable and that it's people that you know. And uh, yeah, new beers, but you know the the beers that you know are good and that you know you enjoy and, and kind of that. Yeah, I think people are going to come that. out more once they get past the. We're kind of in the culture of fear right now. Right. A lot of it's you know media driven or whatever, but you know as this virus weakens and mutates or they get the vaccine or whatever, I think people will come out. I don't buy into like this whole you know clamp down world of fear we're living in is the new normal. That's my least favorite term currently being thrown around. Right. It's, it's, it's just what's happening now. It's not the new normal. And I think, it, I think it'll all eventually return to what it was. I, I, I think it's going to get better. I really, you know, I think that as, as breweries learn from this, learn new ways to kind of adapt to this, it will make them stronger on the other side. I mean, hell, we can get Crowlers at Paradise now. <laughs> that in itself is... <laughs> You know, and there's you know you've got Urban that'll <laughs> ship ship beer to my door now. Like it's yeah. you know I can I can call Fibonacci and have beer delivered to my doorstep like faster than like I can even explain <laughs> to people that this happens. And like those are all things that in the coming years of craft beer are going to become useful to helping this kind of grow in a different way. You can talk about the relationship with distributors. You know we're lucky here in Ohio that you don't have to have a distributor. Right. People are starting to figure out when they start their business that this path of what it means to go from point A to point whatever does not have a defined road that you have to take. There's 14 different ways that we can go to get to this vision that we have in our head of what we want this business to be. And that's fun. 
Like but that's that that enables this thing to be different. I can see where some of the places that are coming on that have so such a big brew house, or they have a let's just say a fifteen barrel brew house and thirty barrel fermenter, so you're making double brews all the time to fill up your fermenters. But it's one thing to make it and make it well. <laughs> you in in order to turn it, you have to have a way of selling it. Right. And if if that brewery hasn't thought about that in their first makeup of all, it, it, it's hard to play catch up. And that's where the distributors do come in. Now, am I saying that they're the wherewithal that everybody should use? From my understanding is they take a lot off the top uh, as far as charging. They do move some beer if you don't have the ability of doing that yourself. So, But uh, they're well paid for it. So they have, they, they have a place, but like Ryan Geis and Mount Carmel are finding out, you might be better off handling the local stuff on your own and just keeping them to an outside area outside of your regular service area and taking your time into that relationship right. and yes. and understanding what it means it's really hard like once you once you hit a certain point of um, working with the distributor and putting your beer out there it's really hard to ever bring that back that's a really difficult process that not everybody can 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 handle right uh, mount carmel has done a really great job of doing that yeah. um th- there think, are other places that were just chewed yeah. up and spit out and yeah, yeah. people will forget about them and well because they w- the the distributors their job is to sell and they want more and more and more right. Unfortunately, that sometimes they they pull so much on a brewery's uh, time frame that they start putting out the beer before it's actually ready. And some of these some some of the stuff that we have to do as a brewery, you can't really you you, you can't shortcut that. Right, some of that you have to let it sit there and do its thing. Right. You can't really rush through it. And then some people say, "Oh, you're full crap," and we can do this, and we you know. The, but the majority of the time, if you're trying to push stuff out, you start getting flaws. Right. So many, so many flaws that finally it affects how your beer tasted before and what it tastes like right. now. Right. And, and you then you you really got to worry about diacetyl beer that have been returned because right. it all tastes like butterscotch. Right. Yeah. Right. If you were granted with uh, the foresight of what the world looks like today back when you guys started this idea um number one would 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 you still do it (laughs) number two what would it look the same or would you have gone a different route it's a very good question um and again my 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 very first inkling of everything was not to take over the world i wasn't going out trying to trying to get so big and so have such a coverage area that everywhere I went on vacation or that my beer would be there. That's not what it was all about. It, it mostly was about making a good beer that was an alternative to what was already there. And would I do it again? Yeah, I would do a lot of things differently. Not, not necessarily drastic things, but I wouldn't waste a whole lot of money on the things that I've wasted money on just to see if they would work. And they end up don't, uh, you know, they don't, they're not such a good idea. But other ones, you know, the way that the crowler market has taken off, and now you can't get cans hardly, but the way that the crowler market has taken off, I wish we would have done that earlier. In my own mind, I guess it's just because I'm old. I didn't, I mean, we were already selling glass half growlers and glass growlers. And in my mind, what, what's, a, what's a can going to do? Right, it really isn't going to affect anything, and but what it did do, especially in the summertime, is allow people to be more active with it. That is, you can you can pack it in as a thirty-two ounce can, and then drink it, smash it, pack it out as a much different container than when it first got right. in there. Right. A lot lighter. You can you know it. You don't have to worry about transporting it's completely glass. different logistics. Yeah. yeah, you can you can use it around a pool because it's not glass. You can well, canoeing everything. You you don't have to worry about that, and that's an aspect of it that I didn't think through. I should have done it a long time ago, but but that's just one thing I would have done. But so it wouldn't be any kind of major thing about what paradise is today. It's little kind of yeah little aspects of of 
how it got here or what you know little things like crowlers earlier that kind of thing well i mean i i I didn't want a, a huge huge tap room to worry about conflicts or anything else like that right. i wanted something more neighborhood i guess you would call it a cheers atmosphere um that was fine with me and uh i wouldn't i mean it would always be good to no matter what space you get you'll always fill it with some stuff <laughs> it seems like it gets to a point where it just kind of closes in around you and then you got to do a house cleaning or something and get rid of most of it or some of it but like a goldfish for whatever tank you put well, in it grows to yeah, the it's tank a, <laughs> um if i i mean you can always use more room there gets a point though especially in the winters we have around here that you have to heat that room in order for people to come in it's hard, bigger rooms like that are harder to heat and and you just have other logistical problems with whatever you do i'm okay with being small i i relish it i think really uh, most of the people who still are with me today that have been there all along that's what they like about it right is they don't have to go into somewhere where they're you know sitting at a bar with you know 50 other people and nobody knows your name right and this way we we keep it to where you know we say hi to them when they come in we you know get what they want and try and take care of them the best way we can you talk to some people that um their neighborhood spot or their spot was one of these other bigger places around town and there's there's always that point where it changes for people it's like oh yeah I love going there, but man, do you remember when it was this, or do you remember when Madry was a social yeah. scene? Yeah, yeah. Like, Madry yeah, is, is a bit, perfect yeah, example. Yeah, well, we miss we miss one point oh, and it, yeah. Um, so I hear that even I heard that this week that hey, I I wish it was still still over the where that where they were. So yeah, and so I I don't know if and I don't know if from from the the brewery side if that matters at all because if you have you know. 50 people that loved it small but then 500 people that right. like it big yeah how do you how do you i don't know i don't i don't know the uh i don't know the positive versus the negative side of that and how that, that how that balances out but from a drinker right i i love a place like this and i i wish we had more places like this i yeah. wish i wish every neighborhood had their spot and i you know going back to what you're talking about the saturation of the market and what what does that mean I think that there's so much room for that in Cincinnati, especially with how much we drink in the city. Like there's, there's just so much room for everybody to have their spot that really caters to them on a, on a, on a micro level. Right. And we still, there's, there's a lot of pockets that are missing something, right. you know? Yeah. If, um, if I live in Oakley, I don't always want to go to Madry. I don't think I love Madry and I love what they are, but there's probably those, those evenings where if you get off work a little bit late, God, I don't want to go there now. I'm not going to, you know, I got to fight for a table and I got to deal with everybody's kids and their dogs. And I, 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 you know, it it gets chaotic there and I don't want that. I want a place where I can go and I can sit down and just have a beer. Right. Well, Uh, yeah. Small place, high quality beer, high quality product, good service. That's the greatest thing about being small is that, for me, as a, as a lead brewer, you can really control the quality and the process right. all the way through. Well, as, as places get bigger and as they start sending their beer out to God knows where, you know, there, there are going to be quality things that pop up here and there, but it's a lot of it's not you. It's not the, it's not the beer. Maybe it is. You went to a bar and just got shitty service. Right. Maybe it was dirty yeah. lines. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that like to lose that side of control over something like beer to me would be endlessly frustrating. And I, I wouldn't be able to handle sending this thing that I created just out into the world and being like, here, you guys do with it. <laughs> please, please treat it right. You know, like I can't do that. <laughs> I, and so like, I, I could, I could see being small as the advantage of that. Right. Too. <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty nice. We, and, and a lot of people also, they, they want us to be in every restaurant that they, they frequent. You ought to go here. You got to go right. there. We've picked, uh, I think four to five very good restaurants here, and mostly on the east side, because it's one thing to sell the beer and to to service that that person or or that business. It's another thing when you have to go back and pick it up and then get back in line to right. 
to put another beer on Try because they're get, not yeah. going they're not going to be exclusively for you. Now there are the people like Dewey's Pizza over here, which is on Beachmont Avenue. They've been very very um, uh, loyal to us, and and we've won their hearts, you, you might say, and, and we have a tap on there most all the time now, which is fantastic. It took me four years <laughs> to get into the stadium bar down at Belterra Park. Right. I mean, even in the township. And, and it took me four years to do that. Two owners, <laughs> two owners of the, of the uh, Racino, but finally we're in. And finally we're able to, to I think, get our, get our product out to more people. And hopefully they, they understand that, you know, it's one of many that we make. We, have, we normally have 13 on tap right now. We have 11. But uh, by this weekend, we'll, with the Oktoberfest coming up, we'll have it all filled. So, uh, Talking about the beer side, what... What gets you excited about beer right now? I know that you know you talked about the uh, um, the proliferation of these four packs of God knows what oh, that are out on shelves. Crazy, and, it's crazy. And so I guess that's not it. But <laughs> so well, how, I mean, it, how do you stay excited if if you you aren't trying to just crank out that new next thing? Like as a as a brewer, how, how do you guys keep those? How do you keep the excitement? Well, uh, we we do have more things and, and new things, which has to be part of it. Another thing that I enjoy doing is trying to get consistency out of what I'm putting out there. So if somebody thinks we had a good Christmas beer last year or the year before, it's in their mind the way that thing should taste. And I'm what we're trying to do is make something that will mimic what they've had before. It might not be the same beer. But it, it might, might be better. It might be better. That's I always correct. think that's interesting Not worse. too. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you'll get a beer, and we'll say a bigger kind of brewery, something that you've been drinking your whole drinking life. Yeah. And there comes a point where you drink it, and you're like this is this isn't what I remember it being. It may be identical to that beer you had before, right? But because the things that you Other surround things yourself have now, it makes yeah. that right. product change too. Your palate's yeah. changing. It does, and and um, it to me it keeps it in- interesting in that aspect of it as well as I just enjoy doing the brewing part of it. Um, and, and again, it goes back. I started home brewing in, two, in 97 and got with a club that was in town, the Malton Fusers, and there wasn't, which they are still there, as well as the uh, Bloatarian uh, Brewing League, but we were the smaller of the two clubs and just got with a good bunch of guys that enjoyed what they were doing. And then you... The main thing, and that's what I tell people even nowadays, if they want to take up the homebrewing side of it, make it as fun as you can get it. Uh, that's something these days we don't get a whole lot of as fun. You're always everybody's too doggone serious about everything, and they don't don't know how to laugh or have a good time anymore. Right. So, um, brewing is part of my uh, therapy to me, just to just to have a good time with it. I enjoy it. It's hard. I've, I've talk to some people that um, not that people shouldn't take this seriously but that start taking it extremely seriously and forget that it's beer and right. that we're making beer we're right. making this product <laughs> that enables us to sit around and, and be jackasses and yeah and, and, right. and, and, at and, times and like at that, times well it's an art as well as a science it is but like there there it's really easy to kind of fall into this other side of it especially when you throw business and your livelihood and, and all money. of that stuff in, in, right. into and money that and finances, thing yeah. and you've got you know I, I know that if you're you know at some other places you've got somebody over your shoulder that's telling you you need to do this or you need to do that and yep. you're just there trying to crank out that product every day and I right. get that that can be something different but at the end of the day it's beer right and i just I, we I, love that you know what you ought to do stuff we yeah we really love that no not really don't come in here and say that it's not it's not a good thing he was saying that facetiously <laughs> oh don't do that uh we, we we always get the armchair quarterbacks that want to sit there and tell us how they would do it you know what you ought to do you know, you know that's, what you ought to do, and that's part of and, that's part of being a drinker at a brewery. You and tell well, them you what do. you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more drinks they have, the more they know right. about what you're doing. Uh, but we still have a great time with it. It's it's fantastic. Um, I would say if you don't enjoy any anything, any 
I mean, you have to grind the grain, you have to make the recipe, you have to get the water right, you got to do, you got to get your kegs cleaned. Some of this is monotonous as, you know, painting stripes on a, on, out on, uh, in a parking lot. Some of it's also a lot more difficult when you look at the scale you guys are versus somebody else. It is, but I mean, it's something you, you warm up to and it's not undoable. Everybody, I mean, as you go along this, I mean, even the guys at Madtree, they're making what, 100 barrel batches now or yeah. even more than that? On that, that big whirlpool mash tun that they have, that crazy thing that's in the middle of that thing. But Bigger than a lot of people's swimming Yeah, pools. no kidding. I mean, <laughs> you, you don't go from 10-gallon batches and blast right on that and think that the beer is going to be fine. You're going to make mistakes in, along the way, but you got to learn from them. you got to make sure you don't do them again. There were batches, and a lot of people say, we've never had a bad beer here. And I, I, I think that's fantastic. But there's a reason for that, because the bad ones, we don't let you taste. They actually get dumped. There's sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and nobody's going to taste that beer because it's just not right. So you end up doing that behind the scenes and they don't know anything about it. And on the other hand, it's I've never had a bad beer there, which is a fantastic thing to say. But there's a lot of learning curve that goes into that. So, But I still enjoy every, every aspect of it. Even down to hand bottling our our you know barrel releases and stuff like that. That's a that's a pain in the butt, <laughs> but I do enjoy it. I, I enjoy people standing around. They have a couple uh, toast out of, out of the bucket beers. Bucket yeah, out of the <laughs> overflow buckets. They have a great time with it. I get some volunteers in here, and they we really have a great time. No matter what, you have to make it fun. Make it more fun than you would think you would normally have and you'll be much better off and that that's probably why you do this job of of what you do 100 percent. there has to be some fun in it or why do it why why even fool with it so i i know some people uh who like some of the process especially home brewers and all that but they do some of the process and the other process then i don't like that i don't like doing that well you're not going to go very far if you if you don't like all the processes. Yeah, you like some more than le- than others, but you can't hate this process and not do it. Because if you if you don't do that right, then it's all going to fall apart. Right. So you gotta you gotta like everything about it, and and we do. I like talking about it. I like seeing the people. I like everything about it. Grinding grain, everything. Well, and we don't hang out and drink beer all day. Well, that's a yeah. <laughs> that's what a lot of people think we do. Unbeknownst to most people who think you know, get a brewery job, you're just sitting around te- taste testing all the time, and you're drinking twenty four seven, and that's what you do, and that's why they they just don't understand that you, <laughs> if you want to put out a quality product, drinking all day really isn't the way to start. They the. I can I can vouch for that. That's you know part of the reason that you start a beer podcast or a beer blog, or is because you you love to drink beer. You love right. to drink. You love to have that. But people don't realize how little of the process that actually is. Right. You know, yeah. and the the uh, the delicate balance of it. That you know, you know sometimes when you go to uh, to create something, uh, drinking is the uh, the, mm, the dangerous part of yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there there are not many brewers you'll find around town that are drinking while they're making the beer. <laughs> not very many. It's, it's a not bad very idea. Many. Well, you you could get hurt very very much hurt by a lot. So, yeah, and uh, uh, you can get hurt by most of the processes that we do back there because you're dealing with a lot of either hot water, steam, um, caustic pressure. chemicals, yeah, high pressure. high pressure stuff, yeah. So that's not it's something you. Yeah, after the day is done to where you don't want to go back in to do anything with that process anymore, yeah, you can have a beer. Don't don't have too many drive home or anything like that, but yeah, you can reward yourself after a good day's work. Don't think that you can drink four or five of them at lunch and then come back and do, try and do something later on. It just... It, it doesn't work very well. And in the, in the beginning when we were doing the 10-gallon batches, you would have people coming in and actually we did some probably not supposed to tell this but we did some that were actually out in the front of the store out on the front sidewalk uh at the time but that was when we did 10 gallon batches but um you'd have people show up and want to help you with things and that's fine 
and then all of a sudden they come back, get something to drink, and then they come out and want to stand around and help you more. And then it, right. you, you just have it. You, they want to shortcut it. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do. You can't do that. So, yeah, don't drink and don't, don't drink and brew don't drink all and, the time. Don't drink and do no. anything. That's true. That's, that's sit. True. <laughs> just sit. sit and drink. Yeah, and tell us. You know what you ought to do. <laughs> you know what you ought to do. Let's uh, let's make this better. You know what you ought to do. So. Talking craft beer in general, not necessarily your stuff. Mm-hmm. What gets you excited right now, um, as far as things that you have seen or tried or thought about or been told about, or what gets you excited about beer right now? Not sours. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's me. Um, I or like seltzers. the combinations of different flavors. Uh, some of them work, some of them are way over the top or whatever, but I end And it's not so much of fruits. It can just be a, a spices or even peppers or anything like that. I, I uh, And Scott was the best at doing some of these pairings. He was. He was. Who, who would have known brewing a beer with sausage spices would be as good as it was even, you know what I'm saying? Even I mean, beyond that, <laughs> sitting down in the tap room and him saying, have you tried it with the relish? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's just pickle juice. Just put a little squirt in there. I'm not putting pickle juice in my beer. Yeah. But then when you do, all of a sudden, this beer that you already had to be convinced was going to be good just right. became better. It's, yes. He had, he had a very refined palate for that. He did very well. Shroominess. Uh, what was the the sausage one? It was uh, turn for the turn, worst. Turn for the worst. Yes, and uh, you know, very very good things. He, I think, he even made a Christmas beer one time with something that was unusual. I'm I sure it was. Yeah, but, anyway, it, but I, s- I still maintain that the perfect weird flight that I want. Yeah, he had the uh, the candy cane stout. Like stout. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want a turn for the worst next to Urban Artifacts pickle beer, yeah. and then although I've heard it's not really mustardy, that mustard beer that came out oh, from yeah, Oscar yeah. Blues this year. Yeah. I want all of these things together on one like weird <laughs> flight. flight. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, we have so much room in this industry. I think to do strange stuff yeah. and 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 present it differently like that like a flight of beers that the beers go with each other instead of just i want one and seven and ten i just want all of these different things together we have really starting to curate that kind of stuff i think could be fun we have one guy that comes in our tap room and experiments by combining beers yeah i think that's cool it's okay i think that's really cool did um that was madry last year did a four pack that was a collaboration with um with shorts that oh, was okay. those like it was like gin and tonic beers or something that were meant to be combined together. Really cool, and I, like stuff like that. I just think is so so fun and right. this and it's opening, bizarre and it opens and up this door yeah. to these other things that you. It can does, do. it does, and I, I, I and I don't I don't down I don't downgrade anybody for liking sours. It's fine if you like sours, but and it sometimes will open up more more avenues for flavor. Right. You know, things you never knew you you liked a, a Goza or whatever. It's given me an appreciation for wine that I didn't have before. There you go. But it was sour beer that got me into wine. Sure. Whereas sometimes people say it brings the wine people into beer. I, it was the complete opposite for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange how all that stuff works. I just... Yeah. Um, it's fun to think about where it could go in the future, you know? Like where... Well, that, that the, so many different flavors could... You know, you just don't know. Well, in, in the you know, look how long beer has been around, right. even even on a commercial scale. Like beer has been around forever. Yeah. And then you look at how long craft beer has been around. And it's this little tiny sliver of it. Like we haven't even scratched the surface of right. where all of this could go. Um, now, do you think? Do you think once a once a craft brewery gets so big, though, they get they start turning heads of the big boys, and then the big boys then say i want that market share part of what they have and they end up making you know how many zeros on that check do you have and they make them some god-awful amount of money which is great for them but on the other hand does that limit also how um how many different flavors how many different combinations could be out there if i mean a lot of them say yeah you can stick around and and work it 
but it's always under their guise. It's always right. under their leadership. So does that stymie some of that? It, it can. Well, yeah. Number one, you're not supposed to be interviewing me. This is my. Oh, show, I'm but, sorry. But sorry. It, it can. Um, just, a, just it just it depends if Big Beer has the ability to bring on these small guys and say, "We like what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing and, and leave them we'll, alone. We'll, we yeah. won't bother you." Right. If they're able to do that, I, there's still plenty. Of, there's more room then for them to do some really crazy stuff that they right. couldn't do before. I just don't know if Big Beer has that ability. Right. right. So far yeah. from everything I hear, they don't. You know, right. Even the places that were dead set saying, no, they promised us nothing will be the same or nothing will change. Um, Always things, changes. Things oh, yeah. change. Yeah. You know, they're the almighty dollar rules. And yeah. when they see the inefficiency of craft beer, right? Um, they don't like it. And craft beer is inefficient. This is not right. the, the most cost efficient way to make beer. It's right. not the most... Um, economically feasible beer. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, and yeah, but before uh, you know it, you're using their grains, right? Well, we know, can we can get this hops. we can get this grain for for this much cheaper, right? Um, I, it's it's pretty close, and um, no, no. it's pretty close. Why don't you put a little rice in that thing. I mm. I, I read an article <laughs> the other day about loggers specifically, about how you can you can cut a little corner here, and it will pretty much tastes the same and nobody will notice and you can cut another corner here and that won't really change anything and there's like these there's you know lots of different areas that you can you can cut on a logger and not really change it mm-hmm. but then when you start combining those the more you start piling them on top of each other pretty soon you've got this bastardized version of something that is called the, a logger yeah it's it's right. not that anymore right and we see that you can pick up loggers sure. from, from really great breweries and you taste them you're like this just isn't this isn't right. Like there's something that's that's missing from this, and it's you can't find that one thing that they did. It's right. a combination of you know lots of things, and I think that's that's what big beer does to beer. Is yeah. it it shaves right. a little off here and a little off here and a little off here, and before you know it, you've got something that's fizzy and yellow and right. in the interest of mass production. Yeah, yeah, which there's room for that in the world, or we need that in the world. Honestly, it fills a gap that. Um, craft beer can't fill and right. shouldn't. Yeah, shouldn't it should, fill. It's, it's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, we could go to the question of should craft breweries be trying to meet that segment? And uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that brings on seltzers, too. I mean, I, I don't know. Should we even... F- I mean... I, d- I don't know. I, 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 kn- I understand why breweries and breweries with tap rooms may have them because it's an alternative to their regular fare that they have and since it's allowed under the under the federal guidelines of a of a malted beverage i mean it's okay to do but there there's i mean it's it's water it's it's, it's seltzer it's it's carbonated alcoholic water uh, it's strange to me that people are drinking them in the amount that they are um, especially if you walk into a bar, I don't know why you would order a seltzer I know. versus vodka soda. Like right. it just, I, that's strange to me. But beyond that, so people are whatever. If you're a brewery and you want to dive into that world, I well, don't. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Right. Again, it's strange that so many do. Correct. I mean, it's it's again the almighty dollar. It, it's not that strange, but um, it I is. just wonder if it's more driven by. They're the people that are coming in that say they want an alternative to something, you know, they don't want something so big and malty and right. and sitting on their stomach. They want something, you know, more uh, more watery, more more fizzy, and and you know, still get the alcoholic kick somewhat after. I think most of the seltzers are trying to hit five percent. I think is what right. pretty much what I've found. So, but you're going to get you're going up against truly. You're going to up against which is sam adams you're going up against uh the new one from braxton has, has brought theirs out you're going i mean you've got some heavy hitters out there that you got to match quality wise and price wise right you can't be three times the cost of it well i can't imagine it's it's not hard to get the price down on fizzy alcoholic water well that's true <laughs> I, but i mean i don't know <laughs> It's I, not craft it, beer. It's, it's not, not. It's not. It is, it is not craft. It's not beer. beer at all. And if you want a T-shirt that says that, go to thenarlynum.com/shop. There is a uh, hard seltzer. It's not craft nice beer tie. shirt. Nice, um, nice tie-in. I. That's good. You don't ever find. I, I shouldn't say don't ever. There are people that 
that say they are, but you don't find a lot of people that are passionate about seltzer. Right. It's just yeah. a product that they make because they need to they for, they for need some to. reason. Right. That, that, that reason they got to be part of the trend. Um, I think seltzer is a trend. I, I think it was. I don't think it is anymore. I think, I think it's, it's going to eventually, stay. but not, not like it was. I think it'll peter off. I, I honestly think it's replacing Bud Light in a very real way. The people that used Could to be. used to drink Bud Light because they didn't really like beer have now found something else to drink that's because they beer. don't like beer. Right. I think that's I think that's because they remember their Zima. <laughs> it's, it's nowhere near <laughs> as bad as Zima. <laughs> there are some there are some fantastic seltzers out there. I will and I you know whether or not they're in the same category. The stuff that March first is doing it tastes like soda and it is delicious. Um, pumpkin spice seltzer from Braxton is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, will, I, I heard that from you before. I, I will throw that out there. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you guys want people to know about? paradise that you think they don't already know they may not know how how we strive to have the highest quality consistently it's uh, absurd how good the beer is here it shouldn't be that good hey, from a place hey, i'm small. sitting right here but from a place a that minute. is this small you 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 walk like if i'm if i walk we'll say well i go to a different city and i walk into a little brewery that's this size I walk in and my line is in a very different place than if I walk into a place that's the size of Madry. Right. Well, you you think that they have to be doing something wonderful to get that big, and most of them right. are. Don't get me wrong; they they have their brands, but yeah, you, you wouldn't just, think that for a smaller place. And you guys have absurdly good beer. And, well, thank you. Um, if people haven't been here, they need to get here and uh, and try it. Well, that's the main thing about being a smaller place. We, I mean, we just don't have the advertising capital that other ones have so getting our name out there and not and again i don't need to be in columbus i don't need to be in louisville i don't need to be in lexington they they got they have other breweries around there that need to fill that that area i don't need to do that but i do need to be in cincinnati i need to i would like to have my name known which i'm hoping we're getting out there does it does it drive you crazy that you could probably walk a couple blocks in any direction and find people that don't know that you're yeah. here? Uh, yeah. We get people in the in the tap room all the time saying, I never knew you were here. I, I, we have advertised all over the place. We've been, you know, everywhere that beer should be, and there's some places beer can't be, right. like in, on, well, we're right next to a Catholic church, but you can't put beer on their calendars right. that children can see or anything like that there are limits to all of what advertising you can do and that's fine but where do you spend that advertising dollar i we've we've done it organically you might call it just trying to get our name out here and there festivals local stuff you know township stuff it, it wasn't this year of course with the pandemic but um we'll get we'll get back there we'll get so, people that that don't know about us we'll put it this way if if you Number one, if you haven't been here, come here. Um, number two, once you get here and you try the beer, just tell somebody that doesn't know about Paradise about Paradise. There bring, you go. bring somebody here. That'd bring somebody right. here that hasn't been here. Let's let's do that. That's everybody's job. This uh, when you listen to the show, come here and bring somebody that hasn't been here. So, Excellent. And maybe that'll maybe that'll help. <laughs> yeah, it'll help everybody. Yes, come on out and see us. We're and uh, you have to put up with my brother who is. Uh, uh, who helps us here brewing as well, but he also barbacks. And uh, you ever heard of the of the soup Nazi from Seinfeld? <laughs> he's he's a little surly. He's, he's he's a beer Nazi. <laughs> so no no beer for you. Uh, but everything uh, it, it, it's just for show. He's he's very very good with the customers, and we'll, we we all tr- strive to get people a good time when they're here. You got to be able to take a joke though. If you can't take a joke, might as well not come in. Because <laughs> we try, you know what I'm saying? We try and keep it lighthearted. We're not meaning anything about it. And some people who walk through the door give us so, so different looks. Like, what are you guys doing having a good time here? What are you doing? <laughs> this is not what it should be. But then they once they figure out that it's all fun again, then they they start having 
If, a good time. If you want a stuffy place to drink, find some kind of wine yeah, tasting or something. Yeah. Uh, to, to summarize what we learned today is lots about machine guns, bikinis, <laughs> yes. and we hit Nazis. <laughs> Woo! All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank hit, you, Noam. Click on the show notes. It'll give you um, links to find out everything you need to know about Paradise and how to get here. Um, you, it's not that hard. Google Drink Maps will pick it up. You just beer. search it. But, um, get here and try the beer because, like I said, it's absurdly good and they're fantastic people, which I can't say about everybody anymore. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>